the angels and the devatas that are like attracted to news for the soul is amazing. This is Damien Brinkley. Welcome to the hearts and minds of informers. This is News for the Soul. Next on News for the Soul, it's time for Breaking Through with Grace Gideon. Grace is a passionate and dedicated international life coach with a bachelor's in law, a master's in East-West psychology, and an expert in addictions. Grace combines these skills in her practice to clinically and intuitively diagnose and break through subconscious issues that prevent you from achieving success and fulfillment. She has a unique capacity to tune in to repress psychological and emotional blocks and to teach effective techniques to transform your life in a deep and long-lasting way. And now to help you make your next breakthrough, here's Grace. Hi, Grace. How's it going? Hey, Nicole. How are you? Excellent. What's new? Well... Today is 9-11 and I want to dedicate something to that. So I'll just introduce the show and get along with that, shall I? Okay, let's do it. Okay. Hi, everyone. I'm Grace Gideon and welcome back to Breaking Through with Grace on News for the Soul, life-changing talk radio. So just before I begin today's topic, I'd like to dedicate a moment of silence and a prayer in honor of all the souls that lost their lives in the events of 9-11. This prayer comes from my friend, Mary Ann Williamson. Dear God, please bless the souls who lost their lives that day and comfort those who loved them. May their memory be a reminder to us to create a world of understanding and love that events such as those of that fateful day shall be consigned to memory, never more to occur. And so it is. Amen. So today's topic is anger. It's light, it's shadow, and it's many shades. I'd like to have a bit of an exploration with you about what anger is, why it is, and how we deal with it effectively. 9-11 was clearly an event that incited tremendous sadness, but also much anger in people around the world. Sadness, in other words, grief, is understandable. But why anger? Anger because it was a violation. Anger because it was an attack. Anger because it put us into a state of threat. A threat to safety, a threat to security, a threat to freedom, and a threat to life, individually, nationally, globally. In fact, the continuing acts of terrorism around the world have made our planet a stage on which anger has become the director of a global drama. A drama that this director gets to instruct both the protagonist and the antagonist on every move. And we, as the audience, as well 
as the players in this drama sit on the edge of our seats in a state of heightened threat. So anger directs the person attacking to violate and anger also energizes the recipient of the attack to respond at times with a counterattack. And so, as it is in the macrocosm, it is in the microcosm. What occurs globally occurs nationally. What occurs interpersonally occurs intrapersonally. And how does it occur intrapersonally within us? Within us, it occurs in the form of inner conflict and a form of not just the physical terrors we experience, but emotional terrorism towards ourselves within our own psyche as well as with others. I mentioned the word violation. All violation is a threat to something we hold dear. Sometimes we feel threatened even when we haven't been violated at all, but we've just been imposed upon or demanded of or treated contrary to our wishes. Feeling threatened, whether the threat is real or perceived, can trigger our survival instinct. Sometimes it triggers it mildly, sometimes it triggers it extremely strongly. So as a result of being triggered into our survival instinct, our primitive brain, as we all know, because we've heard this many times, responds with fight, flight, freeze, or faint. You may have heard fight and flight before. You may not have heard freeze or faint, but it's just an extension of those two. We're threatened. We respond with fight, flight, freeze, or faint. So anger being an instinctual emotional response is one that induces us to take action. It's an energized emotion that induces us to take action. It is the fight response to threat. It can also sit under the others, but just for today's purposes, we're treating that as the fight response to threat. Flight in the fight, flight, freeze, faint foursome. Flight is the escape response to threat. Freeze is the play dead response to threat. And faint is the numbing out response to threat. It's a good one for you to write that down so you know how your nervous system reacts mostly. We can do all four, but we can tend to, passive people might go into flight, freeze or faint. Aggressive people might go into fight. But fight, anger is a fight response. 
escape is a flight response, play dead is a freeze response, and numb out is a faint response. So humans are amazing. We're amazing beings, and our nervous system and our brain are so sophisticated that we have these inbuilt coping mechanisms and psychological and chemical responses designed for us to be protected, to be safe, to survive. So I want you to understand, you know, when you listen to people talk about anger management issues and, you know, he's an angry person, etc., you've got to understand that anger has both a side that protects us and a side that harms us. It's an emotional, it's an emotion that signals danger. Anger is an emotion that signals, signals danger. And that danger can be physical or emotional. But as I've been saying, if it poses a threat to any aspect of our well-being, it represents to our psyche a danger. Okay? So you guys know how much I love looking at hidden meanings and messages in language. So I want us to look today at the word anger, okay? Remember in the show when we looked at the word belief and we saw L-I-E in the middle of it, lie? Well, today we're looking at the word anger and look at the messages and meanings in that word. As some of you may be guessing who are listening right now, anger only needs one letter, D, at the beginning of it to spell danger. So the universe communicates to us in many ways, some direct, some indirect. It communicates through symbols, synchronicities and patterns. And the one that I love the most is exploring the subtext and nuance and double meanings and language. When I look at the relationship between the words anger and the word danger, 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 I get two messages from the universe. Here are the messages I get. One, great. When there is danger, you might need anger to drive you to action. Okay, All right. When there's danger, you might need a little bit of anger to drive me to action, to be safe, to protect myself, to protect those I love. On the flip side, the universe says, great. Where there's anger, beware because it can bring danger. Where there's danger, you might need anger. Where there's anger, it might bring danger. It can incite you into dangerous activity. Beware. Let's take another look at the word anger. And if you rearrange some of the letters in it, you can see another related word embedded in it. Take a close look. That word is rage. Rage can be seen as violent, uncontrollable anger. But in psychology circles, it's often seen as a state that people can work themselves up into to numb other more vulnerable emotions. Which emotions am I talking about? I'm talking about emotions like fear, sadness, hurt, loneliness, shame, disappointment, despair. Sometimes people rage 
over the top of these feelings. They rage to stop feeling powerless, thwarted and helpless by life's circumstances. They rage because they're at their wit's end with stress. The straw that breaks the camel's back. So rage numbs out the more vulnerable feelings that it's difficult to feel. It's painful to feel. And gives us an illusion of control. But rage, on the flip side, can be violent, uncontrollable anger that produces devastating consequences. That's why sometimes your anger can give you the illusion of control and be beneficial and and sometimes it can move from being a beneficial call to action to becoming something dangerous so how does it go from one thing to the other you should watch yourself next time you get angry or the husband or the or the traffic or some you know terrible incident watch how it moves from protection into possibly violence. Watch how it cycles around. Well, I want you to understand that anger is a cycle that has at its core what I've been saying and repeating so far, the fear of being threatened in some way. I want you to understand threat. Threat is at the root of your anger and the fear of threat. Look at this. You feel threatened. You become self-protective. You get triggered into being angry in reaction. If your anger escalates and becomes disproportionate or uncontrollable anger or rage, then you become the one that's threatening. Now the first person feel threatened in return and they can possibly turn around and re-threaten you and escalate. So the cycle of anger and the cycle of violence, emotional or physical, are fueled and generated. This may eventually peter out as it does in most arguments where people lose their cool or it may escalate and lead to extreme danger and even destruction. So can you see how there's a good side and the dark side of anger? Can you see how it aims to protect, can also harm? You see, in this world of duality, where there is good, there is evil. Where there is heaven, there is hell. And each thing, each person, each country, each experience, has within it the seeds of light and darkness. So, anger also has both light and shadow. It has benefits and disadvantages. This is the nature of duality. But not only is it dualistic, as I pointed out in the example I gave above, it's also self-perpetuating and cyclical. 
it's our mission as conscious human beings to understand both sides of every person, place, thing, experience, character, trait, emotion. It's important for us to see how things are interrelated and part of a cyclical process. If we understand this, then we can better navigate our psycho-spiritual evolution, our soul growth, to a journey where we comprehend both the light and the shadow. This doesn't happen by ignoring, discounting, judging, or rallying against anger and its effects in the world. Understanding it is the key to managing it and benefiting from its motivational and protective force without falling prey to the devastation it can wreak in our personal and planetary experience. In my work as a life coach, I have many clients come to me to deal with their anger issues. I find it pretty ineffective to jump to tips or strategies on anger management before first finding the reason for their anger and the lesson it's trying to teach them. So I'm going to take you through a process that I take them through in order to understand and address their anger at a core level. But before I launch into that, if anyone listening wants to process something they're angry about, whether it's recent or it's been an ongoing resentment that's haunted you for decades, please feel free to call in on plus one six four six five nine five four two seven four. Press one. You'll hear a message. You're now in the host queue. Hold on and you'll get put through to me. Or if you prefer, email through the question to on the air at tellus.net, on the air at T-E-L-U-S dot net. So if you're listening and you think, oh, my God, I want to know the root cause of my anger rather than just breathing through it and taking time out and going for a run, call and we'll have a chat about it. So let's look at the process I take people through in order to understand and deal with their anger. The first step, is to invite them to tell their angry story. You see, anger is a secondary emotion, which means that when they tell their angry story, there's usually a more vulnerable set of emotions being masked by their anger. So you have to tell your story, even if it feels like venting or complaining, in order to get to the primary emotions underlying your anger. When you first start to tell your story, it might seem really toxic and no one wants to listen to it and you might be running round and round and round in, in bitterness and resentment and making yourself worse and worse. But if you tell it to a, a compassionate person, a wise person, an educated or professional person who understands emotional intelligence and anger, They'll guide you through that story in a way where you can come out of whipping yourself up into a frenzy and get in touch with the emotions underneath it. That's the aim. Not to tell your angry story like a a nag or a mad person and just fuel further anger, but to dig deeper into what on earth is your anger masking or protecting or being fueled by. 
the, the, the predominant emotion that anger tries to mask or compensate for is fear. I talked earlier about violation and threat. Well, fear of violation and fear of threat are very real in people's lives. As I said, it's our survival instinct. Even when we drive a car, people road rage from their fear of being hindered or blocked or delayed or being threatened in some way. You know, to the point of being threatened with losing their lives if someone breaks the road rules and abruptly cuts them off or acts in a dangerous, unpredictable way. So to master your anger, you need to ask yourself, what is it that threatens you? Okay? Threat. Let's look into that. What is your threat? Let's have a thought, ponder about some things that threaten us. When you're angry, ask yourself, is it a threat to love? Is it a threat to money, career, health, family, pride, dignity, reputation? Is it a threat of loss? Is it a threat to your freedom? A threat to the precious time you have left to yourself or on this planet? Is it a threat of disappointment, a threat of failure, a threat of aloneness, the threat of engulfment, the threat of losing a dream, the threat of living an uncertain life? Is it the threat of death? Do you relate to any of those? I know when my son makes lots of demands of me, I get angry. He's not violating me, but I get angry because I feel a threat to my freedom, my independence, my time to self-care. I feel exhausted and demanded of, and that's enough to threaten my peace of mind. When I don't get served in a restaurant, I feel a threat to my pride or my time. Think about small threats as well as major threats to life and limb that might trigger your anger. Because if you just sit there and go, I get angry when I'm stressed or I get angry when I'm hungry, it's true. It's true. And you can definitely do techniques to help with that, like have a meal, relax, have a massage, go for a run, go for a walk, breathing techniques, time out, all of those wonderful anger management techniques that you can Google and get the top 10 tips on, which are fabulous. But what happens when you just manage something rather than understand it is that next time you get into that situation, you have to go back to it over and over again. Whereas I find that when I really understand and have a relationship, it actually, the the anger starts to dissipate because 
it's become a friend. I know why it's there and I know how to manage it. It's like, it's like taming an animal, you know, turning a, a wild horse into a beloved horse or, or training, training an animal. Because you can kind of lock it away or pretend it's not there or, but really understanding it is going to transform its impact on you for the rest of your life. And I think it's impact on, on the planet because I think if we all understood what motivates anger rather than, you know, the pain and the fear that motivates anger rather than just take measures to address it as a symptom, that is what's going to transform our consciousness and evolve us into higher beings, aware beings, loving beings. Now, I want you to think about what your threat is and what happens to you when you feel that threat. Usually, when we feel threats, as I said, we become stressed. We become hypervigilant. We just simply can't relax. Our brains, our glands release chemicals and hormones such as cortisol, adrenaline, noradrenaline. And we're really unable to be in a calm and peaceful state. That's where we get triggered into fight, flight, freeze or faint. Those of us who are automatically activated into the fight response to threat can become inappropriately angry. But if we sense threat, able to feel the emotion of anger in a healthy way, just as a motivation to take action, then what that can do for us is allow us to not avoid or freeze or numb out, but rather to find our voice to be assertive, to take action, to state our needs and say no to violations or requests or demands we can't or prefer not to meet. We can get creative. We can self-care. We acknowledge that our anger is trying to energize us to protect and take care of our rights in an appropriate, measured and productive way so that we can speak up in that appropriate, measured, productive way. There's a skills you learn to express your anger in a healthy way. So if you can tell your anger story, find out the underlying threat beneath it, not let your anger run the show, but rather explore what is there to teach you. Know what rights you are seeking to protect. You can then work with someone to get the wording right, to set your boundaries, to have a voice, to be assertive. There are so many books out there on assertiveness, you know, how not to be aggressive, not to be passive, but to be assertive. But God, it's hard. They're so, they're so simple, yet they're so hard because people haven't gone underneath to understand why they don't have a voice in an appropriate way, why they 
fight, flight, freeze and faint. They know it's a survival instinct, but they don't actually know how to train it, manage it, heal it and get a voice and say things that have effect. So to get that process, you tell your angry story, you recognize anger as a secondary emotion. Through telling your story or journaling your story, you find the primary vulnerable emotions under it. Fear, pain, shame, loneliness, sadness, those feelings. You explore them and where they came from. You understand the lesson anger is teaching you. Then you go into techniques to have a voice in an appropriate, healthy way, using anger to motivate you. Or you use techniques to calm you down if your nervous system goes into a hypervigilant state. Okay. If you can't feel your helping anger, but you rather get triggered into unhealthy outbursts and they run the show, this can take many forms. This kind of behavior where the unhealthy anger takes um, over and runs a show. It can take many forms and you might not even know you're being angry because the forms can be subtle or they can be obvious. We call that covert or over anger or rage. Let me tell you some things that are forms of covert anger. And as I tell you about those, I want you to think do you do these things? So covert anger is passive-aggressive behavior. Gossiping, complaining, blocking, judging, putting people down, sarcasm, boredom, times, chronic lateness, self-negation, withholding love or money, avoidance, cheating, addictions. All of those can be forms of covert anger. And what's over anger? Yelling, screaming, dominating, bullying, criticizing, arguing, shaming, and obviously acts of physical violence, physical in all its forms, to property person when we act out our anger in these ways, our underlying emotions are being denied. We're avoiding our pain, our fear, our vulnerability. So that's when we must pause and ask, what's going on underneath? What's my underlying fear or threat? Got it? Anger is a secondary emotion. So when you come out of that hyper-aroused state and using anger management techniques, you can come out of it faster and using awareness, you can come out of it faster. You need to ask, what's the underlying emotion that I'm too scared to feel or face? So say that you get into a situation where you lose your temper and you start yelling at someone or beeping your horn at someone or you know, being sarcastic or nasty 
or withholding or sulking. It might be hard for you to stop in that moment. But if you remember these words that you are experiencing some sort of threat and that there's an underlying feeling, you can use, if you've got the opportunity, you can use the time to walk away, breathe, not act out if you can, or if you've acted out, pause the acting out as soon as you become aware that you're in the middle of this behavior and take the opportunity to journal or call or pray or meditate and find out what the underlying vulnerable emotion is so you can get to the root of your anger. And then it won't keep reoccurring. I want you to also understand that anger isn't just a feeling, but it actually can be a learned behavior. Some people are just downright grumpy when a smile would do. I swear they just have grumpy written all over them for no good reason. So for that type of person, anger might be a conditioned or learned response to the frustrations of a life that they can't control. Let's take a look at that. So as well as being a secondary emotion that can rise up within us at times impulsively, anger is also a learned behavioral response to a life that is bigger than us and that we can't control. Anger is a learned behavioral response to a life that's bigger than us and that we can't control. So to feel safe in life and to avoid threat, we try and control as much of our lives as we can. That kind of gives us the illusion of safety, security, success, accomplishment, reward. But if in any area of our life that we want to control isn't within our control, people don't let us control it, situations don't let us control it, then we can often become frustrated. And what do we do with the feeling of frustration? Well, frustration lives in the anger family. And what we do is probably what we've watched our parents do, our caregivers do, our leaders do. We respond to that frustration. We respond to that lack of control. We respond to that powerlessness by amplifying our anger. I mean, in, in the Western world, we're so used to being on edge, in a fast-paced, highly driven, economically competitive environment, that if anyone blocks us or gets in our way, we, just, we can spark into anger. And in developing and war-torn nations, they're so frustrated with never being able to meet their basic human needs and ongoing threats to life and basic human rights, they're also motivated by anger. Anger at unfairness, inequality, exploitation, violation. And they can turn to anger to give them an illusion of power control or send a message to the rest of the world about the state of their struggle. We've all got a story, individually, nationally, globally, 
We've all got a story to tell that underlies our anger. We all have the anger story and we all have the under, under story that underlies our anger. We all have a perception of our experience, a perception that needs to be heard, one that needs to be explored and understood. So we address our repressed pain, our existential loneliness, our disappointment, our shame, our guilt, our sadness, our vulnerability. If I haven't made it clear enough, let me restate it. This understanding, this exploration is key to healing anger at its core. Find these primary feelings, feel them, look at your fears, real or perceived threats. Explore them. I'm going to now give you a set of questions which will form the basis of the assignment that I'll refer to at the end of the session. Write your anger story, tell your anger story, process your anger story and release it. Here are the questions to ask of your anger. Why is it there? What is it trying to teach you? What danger is it seeking to protect you from? Is the danger real or perceived? Is it a throwback from past trauma or is, it, or is it a clear and present danger? How is anger seeking to help? What action is it seeking to motivate you towards? Then ask a separate question. How much of your behavior is a learned response from the way you were parented, raised, or managed? Once all of that is clear, once we know the why, we can then proceed to the why not, or what else can we do? Name it, claim it, let it go. Nicole, do you have a caller for me or shall I continue? Let's find out. Area code 617, you're live. If they can hear it, great. What's your first name? Hello, Anne from Boston. Hi, Anne. Hi, that was wonderful. Thank uh, you. Are you angry? I think I've answered. Oh, yeah, I know why and I should be. It's a good thing. I think anger is a good thing in some situations. Okay. Okay. So you're, yep. you're already connected to the beneficial side of your anger? Yeah, it was the self-protection. Yeah. Okay. So tell me something, Anne. How old are you? Uh, Grandma. Ah, oh, gorgeous. Anne, why are you still angry? Are you still protecting um, yourself from something? No, but I anticipate I'll have to be angry again with certain individuals. Ah. When okay, you deal that's with people beautiful. Who aren't well? That happens. Okay, okay. Thank you for saying it in those eloquent words. Do you notice that Anne said? Notice I picked up that there was still a little bit of anger. So Anne is insightful. She's aware that her anger was necessary for self-protection, and she's aware that she benefited. But remember how the underlying theme of everything I've said is anger addresses a threat 
And Anne just said, I anticipate I'll need the anger again with certain people. So Anne, are you aware that you, you're living in a, a mild state of impending threat because of certain people in your life? Yes. Okay. All right. Good. Now, can you say that sentence back to me? I'm aware that I'm living in a state of impending threat because of certain people in my life. You can mix the words up, but say something like that. Yes, I'm aware of I'm living in in the threat of other certain. I forget how to say it. I'm living in the threat of whatever from certain people in my life. Okay, good. Okay, great. What was that word? I'm living in the threat of what? <laughs> impending threat. Impending uh, threat. Because of, yeah, impending threat. Because you said I anticipate, didn't you? You used the word I anticipate. Yes. I'm going to need my anger to protect me. Yes. Yeah? Okay, good. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I anticipate I'm going to need my anger to protect me. So in your nervous system, your nervous system has a level of alertness that it's going to be threatened in some way. So, Anne, um, what vulnerable emotion sits underneath that anger? What's the fear, pain, loneliness, sadness, grief? What's the underlying emotion? Love. Oh. Love what? Uh, the people that I take care of. Okay. So love does not incite anger. So what associated to love? So is it the fear of loss of love or the fear of something happening to the people you love? What is it? Um, giving too much. Um, giving too much. To... Right. Yeah, right. So... You've learned to love by overgiving, yeah? Uh, yeah, in certain circumstances. But when somebody's really sick, uh-huh. I take care of two people who are really, really sick and they're very angry and they're project. Oh, it's so a projection you're... on, they're mentally ill. Okay, so you've got angry people in your life who project onto you and yes. because you, you care them and you know they have an illness, right? You're yes. swallowing your response to their anger because you know that they're powerless because they're sick, so you just have to cop their anger. Is that right? No, I get to a certain point, I give it right back. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but did you, did the you, armor goes you up. get to a certain point? So yeah, you, yeah. you hold off, yeah, because yeah. you rationalize they're sick, blah, 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 you love them. And then you get to a certain point and you give it back, right? Yep. The armor goes up, yeah. as I say. The armor goes up. So you take it, take it, take it. You make allowances for them. Then you go, yeah. I've had enough. What happens when you say, I've had enough? Well, then I have, and then I go away for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I so take you, a little you, vacation from them. And then you come back. Yeah, because, yeah. Okay. Do, do they ever stop when you say you've had enough? Sometimes, yes. No. So are they... 
unless they're completely mentally gone, like they've got dementia or something. Yes. Right? Have yes. they got dementia? Other things that are just as bad. Okay. So, so and you, you've got a couple of possibilities here, right? I believe mm -hmm. you have a story, right, that these people can't stop treating you this way, right? Now, I don't believe, yeah, they don't, but I believe they could. Ah, fantastic, good. If you believe they could, right, then there's a story within you that is somehow preventing you from having the voice in the right way where they take you seriously so they stop treating you this way. And I just said assertiveness is really hard. So Anne, I just wanted to do this next session about people who don't know how to express healthy anger. I'm going to read that out. But I really want you to email me and spend 15 minutes with me so I can go through your individual session and develop with you the wording and the boundaries you need for these people because you've just admitted you believe they could. So the power is within you if you have the skills to word your boundary correctly. Will you do that for me, Anne? I will try. If I get a hold of it, uh, my computer's been down for a little bit, so okay. I might have to All wait. All right. Okay. It doesn't matter if your computer's down. I'm about to give you my phone number, right, okay. because... Delaying your success is not an option. You don't have to ever call me, but I'm going to give you a reason to get okay. a tech, the skill. My phone number is 61 for Australia. Okay. 61 604-847-448. I have it. Thank you. In fact, anyone listening to the show today, you get, get 10 free minutes if you've got the courage to phone and I'll give you 10 free minutes on how to deal with this. Thank you so much, Anne. I look forward to you. hearing from you. Okay. Thank Thanks. You. So let, let me, let, this is really great what Anne just told us because I'm about to go that. What happens if you were a person who denies or represses your anger? As I was just saying to Anne, you're doing yourself a disservice because anger is an emotion, emotion, energy in motion. If you don't express it and you repress it, it doesn't go away. It doesn't move through you. That's why I was able to say to Anne, why are you still angry? Because I could read her energy and know that, you know, even though she's an amazing soul doing good for others, there's still this, this denial of the self that's that, that her anger is trying to tell her she better take action on. So this anger lives in your cellular memory. Remember the saying, the issues are in the tissues. So many angry people who don't express their anger can eventually blow like a pressure cooker. You know how Anne said she holds it in and then she lets it go and then she disappears and then she comes back. So people go postal, so to speak. Others implode. They can eat their anger, they become overweight, they swallow their anger, they get psychosomatic illnesses, they can become bitter and grumpy and resentful, they mask it with addictions or in extreme cases their anger turns inward 
and it can play a role in self-harming behaviours, excessive risk-taking, reckless indifference to their life and even suicide. Okay, so if you've got trouble accessing your anger, don't worry. Just tell your story like Anne did of violation or threat, you know, the threat to her freedom, the threat to being to, to her dignity, you know, not being treated with respect and work with whatever emotion comes up. If you're somebody who cries rather than gets angry, it doesn't matter. Work with the tears and eventually it'll become clear why. Eventually you'll connect to some healthy anger as your tears diminish and your self-esteem improves and you get skills. You might never become a person who easily expresses their anger. That's fine. You don't have to hit pillows or do cathartic screams to have a happy life. But as I just said to Anne, you do need to have a voice and stand up for your rights and allow your healthy anger to energize you, to be seen, to be heard, to be treated with respect. So now that I've explained anger and its roots, and I've explained the underlying vulnerable feelings, primary feelings, and asked you to explore where they come from and why, I kind of sensed with Anne that there was, Anne, I don't know if you're still listening, but there's a memory. I didn't get the exact age, but I think a young memory, a young memory where where you learnt to, you know, be quiet in response to anger and you've really taken that to heart. So I'd encourage you to journal about that too, even before you call me, because we'll be able to release that memory for you and the story you created. But put the understand the anger and then put your strategies into place. Um, so let me give you this um, checklist of actions you can take. When you feel threatened, ask yourself, is this threat real or perceived? Then say, does it warrant immediate action? Am I safe to stay? If you're not safe to stay because you're going to explode or they're going to explode, that's where you use your anger management techniques. You leave immediately, you breathe, you take time out, you go and get you know, some kind of support and you manage yourself and you stop them from attacking you. If it is safe to stay, then you try and slow your heart rate down by breathing slowly and deeply. Do not say a word when the other person is in a state of attack. Breathe, be still. Say a silent calming mantra in your head of I'm safe and I have a right to protect myself in a safe, respectful way. If you can, paraphrase them so they feel heard because that can help calm them down. If they do calm down, speak in the first person I, state how you feel and calmly set your boundary around how they speak to you or treat you. This isn't after 10 minutes of abuse. This is after a maximum of two to three minutes of listening to them. That's what I'm going to teach Anne to do. Speak in the first person I and state a boundary around how they speak to you. Don't argue. Stay centered. If they disrespect you, excuse yourself. 
Now, how many times do you have to do this before somebody gets the message? For me, it took at least 20 or 30 times with certain people in my life of doing this before they got the message that I was no longer available for that sort of behavior or communication. Not only do they get the message, your nervous system gets the message that you're now an assertive person who can use anger to motivate herself to stand up for herself or himself to stand up for himself. Okay? If the person you're with never gets the message, don't stay and become a rageaholic in an abusive relationship. You have to find alternative ways to take care of yourself. Build your self-esteem, make decisions about that relationship and what you'll allow in your life. Always remember, exercise humour and expressions like don't sweat the small stuff help to decrease your stress, put you in a positive state where you're less likely to rise to anger. Keep your sense of humour, develop your voice, set your boundaries, understand your anger. Okay, that's it. Nicole, I'm done. Anything you want to say to me or shall I just recap on the homework we assignment? We have four minutes to the top of the hour, another show behind us, so I would go forward and uh, right. recap. All right. Okay, so guys, the shameless self-promotion for me is basically I'm here. My name's Grace Gideon. You have the phone number. My email is grace at gracegideon.com. If you want a private session with me, you get 30% off if you're on News for the Soul, if you mention News for the Soul. Otherwise, listen to the podcast again, journal, do good for the planet. Here's the homework assignment. When you listen back to the show, you'll see I've listed a ton of questions you to understand your anger. I'm going to post these questions on my website and answering them is going to be your journaling assignment to help you explore your anger, your underlying emotions, what it's masking and the threats you seek to protect yourself from. Once you've done the exploring, I want you to journal on alternative ways to protect yourself without reacting and how you might use your anger to motivate yourself to speak up for yourself assertively. I want you to design a boundary for one person in your life that angers you. And if you'd like to, email it to me and I'll give you feedback on your boundaries. Boundaries are always in the first person I. You know, you know if you do X, Y, Z, I will A, B, C, you know? And this is how I feel when you do X, Y, Z. Okay? Simple formula. That's all, everyone. Thank you for joining me today. I'll be back in two weeks, Monday, September 27th, to help you make your next breakthrough. Until then, please remember, when you understand the workings of your psyche, what drives you to think, feel, and act the way you do, your breakthrough is imminent. And your life can be amazing. Thank you, Nicole. Goodbye, everyone. See you next time. Call in to live News for the Soul shows daily for intuitive coaching, readings, numerology, leading-edge health information, and much, much more with featured hosts from around the world. 
Go to newsforthesoul.com to join the next live show now. That's newsforthesoul.com. This is Nicole Whitney, News for the Soul, life-changing talk radio from the uplifting to the unexplained. It's a great honor to have you on the show tonight. Welcome, Deepak Chopra. Thank you. Yes, this is Uri. Hi, Uri. It's Nicole Whitney calling News for the Soul. Welcome to News for the Soul, Robert Allen. Thank you, Nicole. It's great to be here with you tonight. Why are you here? We're talking to Carolyn Mace about Sacred Contracts, one of her many best-selling books. Welcome to the show, Greg Braden. Well, good evening, Nicole. It's uh, certainly a pleasure to hear your voice and a pleasure to be here tonight. Welcome to the show, Stuart Wilde. Thank you very much. John Kehoe, welcome to News for the Soul. Hey, how are you? Next up, Dr. David Morehouse. I'm so glad that you called me because you are doing such an important task, important work, because you are spreading a very positive message. I was really moved by last week's show because we made a commitment to a worldwide event to try to change consciousness. I'm feeling enormous energy around this show. Just enormous, enormous. Uh, I really have to hand it to you, Nicole. You've created sort of a niche of amazing, amazing connections. It's just like... (laughs) 